Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the pre-match social. Bit of a hybrid episode today. We're doing a review and a preview in one. Uh, I'm back with the boys, uh, with the VBB boys. I'm back with AJ and Carl. How are you doing, boys? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Uh, an excellent victory against against Spurs last night. So hopefully the boys are in buoyant mood. Uh, last game of the season coming up against Chelsea. Uh, we'll be talking about the Spurs game, going through the various action points. Uh, as always, uh, the key stats from the game, maybe some Megs watch as well. And then a bit on the Chelsea game, looking ahead to that, some of the key battles, some of the key players, some comparisons, and obviously a bit of uh, trip down memory lane as well, looking at some memories as well. There's uh, there's plenty of good ones with this one. We haven't had many. The last one I think we did was the Man United game, wasn't it? I think um, the last mm. last preview we did, and that was <laughs> that was so depressing. When it came to memories, we managed so. to squ- we managed to squeeze one good memory out. There, we, didn't did, we? we did, we did, yeah, yeah. We generally, did. generally, generally, it was miserable. It was, and that game went exactly how we expected it to go. Doing it that May night game, but let's not, not, not me. I had twenty-seven one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, true, yeah, true. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we won't we won't dwell on that anyway. We we we've won a game, so let's let's talk about that. So I suppose let's let's start straight away on the. Uh, on the Spurs game, and uh, let's well. Firstly, your your reaction to the lineup, AJ, when you first saw it with uh, a few changes: Konza coming at right back, uh, House playing right centre back, Grealish obviously back on in the starting lineup as well, and then Nakamba playing instead of Dougie Louise. What were your thoughts when you saw that lineup? Uh, yeah, overall, I was okay with it. Obviously, I was really pleased to see Jack in the middle. I've been banging that drum on the podcast for a number of weeks and um, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we go through the, the review, I think. But um, obviously he had a good performance, good start. Not at his best by any means, didn't um, uh, dominate the, the game as, as he has done in, in some games. But um, I was certainly glad to see him playing in that uh, 10 role because I think that's best for the team overall when he plays there. I think. We've talked a lot about um, Elmo and him having been a great servant for the club, but perhaps um, him not quite being at the level he has been at in the past. Uh, and I think it made sense, therefore, to um, move Compton to right back. And again, I was really pleased with how he played because um, my memories of Compton when he played at right back last year were not all positive, but he seemed to be able to translate his improvement playing at centre-half into right-back. And I was even quite surprised and pleased by how well he got forward down the the flank. Um, And uh, Son has not been playing quite at the level as he was in the first half of the the season, but to still, you know, effectively be playing out of position and keep one of the top players of the season completely quiet pretty much for the entire game. Don't really remember Son doing anything. Um, It's pretty impressive. And then Louise, we've talked again about how he's been up and down, hasn't he? And I think um, Nakamba came in, and obviously he, he dropped a bollock, didn't he? He made a big, uh, he made a big error, and that led to their their goal. But after that, you know, he didn't shy away. Uh, he was very, uh, he was very impressive uh, in the middle of the park there. And I think, I think that midfield where we've really struggled, I think we dominated the midfield better than. Uh, we have in a lot of games. Part of that was Spurs being poor, I think. Um, but I think also part of it is the balance between Nakamba as a proper, genuine six, McGinn playing as an eight, and Jack as a ten. 
they're all just naturals in those three positions. And, and Nakamba has his limitations around his pace and, and so on. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly throughout that, that game, he was, uh, he was impressive. I mean, he, uh, had 10 successful pressures in the game. Uh, he made, uh, he made two tackles, two interceptions. And uh, one thing he gets criticized for is his passing, but his completion rate was 85%. So, you know, if you take the error out, which can happen to anyone, uh, that's, that's a very commanding performance in there against, um, Perhaps not the, the best midfielder in Harry Winks. I certainly think Spurs fans were disappointed when they saw him on the team sheet. But Hoiberg, we talked in the preview of the previous game about how dominant he's been in midfield for them. And I thought he really struggled um, against our, our midfield three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the one thing I, I wasn't certain about was concert right back, but it came off uh, and it was probably a better alternative than Elmo, even off the bat. So yeah, I, I think we kind of stumbled in uh, into in in a way uh, probably the best balanced side that we've we've had for a for a long while there, um, uh, w- without it being entirely by design, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, I mean Konza. I remember him playing towards the end of last season, right, right back. And to be fair to him, you know, he's. Um, he's we've talked about his passing ability. You know, definitely needs to be improved. But on the ball, he, I think he's very good. He's calm and composed on the ball, and he's got a good cross on him. We've seen it a few times last season. I remember the the uh, disallowed goal against Burnley away when Jack scored a header. It was Conza's ball in, whipped it in. He's done it a fair few times, so he's definitely got ability. Obviously, not a long term solution for right back, but uh, an interesting choice and a, and a good choice in the end. Uh, but let's let's talk about the game starting off. Then we talk about the lineup. Nakamba, you mentioned there, AJ um, didn't get off to the best of starts, did he, Carl? With that mistake early on. Um, and obviously punished by Bergwijn, who hasn't really played much for Spurs this season. Smith said in the post-match that someone shouted, you know, you had time, so hence why he took his time and got dispossessed. But what did you make of the goal overall? And, and you must have been thinking, well, this is it. This is the uh, same old story, and, and, and that's it. The game's going to go away from us. Yeah, I thought the first sort of 10 minutes, we just didn't turn up. I thought <clears throat> we would cliche but I thought it felt like we was on the beach and we weren't going to put any effort in um the goal itself yeah Smith did say there was a shout and you know if there was a shout then it's kind of you takes away some of the blame um from the camber but I mean it was just such a it was a massive heavy touch anyway so even if if he was shout, if someone did shout time he didn't have enough that much time um because it was an awful um first touch um I also thought McGinn wasn't strong enough when he tried to get back at, at him as well. And then Nakamba missed a tackle the second time around. So it just it just looked awful. And um, I, I wasn't sort of looking forward to the rest of the game at that point. Um, but Nakamba was brilliant for the rest of the game. I thought he was really good um, in, in every way, even his passing, as AJ said, uh, which is usually his um, weak, uh, weak point, along with his uh, lack of pace, but I can't remember who it was, but he got back to someone and um, in the second half, quite late on, um, down their right flank, and it was a great sort of uh, recovery yeah. tackle. Um, I thought it was excellent. And, you know, for the rest of the game, um, from 10 minutes onwards, it reminded me of how we have played at the beginning uh, part of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was uh, that kind of performance. And obviously away from home, we've been fantastic this season. And that and that was a, another top display. Obviously, our, our troubles have probably been more at home this season. And and after that 10-minute spell, AJ, we really grew into the game. 
started finding Jack a lot more in, in sort of pockets of spaces and he interlinked with with uh, Algarzi and Watkins a lot. And uh, before we go on to the excellent assist by Nakamba and, and our first goal, let's talk about that penalty decision. Uh, a ball over the top by Jack. It uh, looked like I was going to get away from Ollie Watkins and Loris comes out. I mean, looking back at that, at first, at the first, I, you know, what, what did you think? Did you think, did you understand why the ref hadn't given it? But then what, what did you think about VAR still backing that decision? Uh, yeah, live action, it kind of looked like the ball's going out of play and it was a bit of a nothing, nothing challenge. But as soon as you see the replay, um, it, it's, it's one of the clearest pens you're, you're going to see. And I, I was, really annoyed about it to be honest and generally speaking in a game that we go on to win that sort of decision doesn't I shrug it off I'm pretty sanguine about it you know fair enough these things happen we've won the game it doesn't matter but that was such a poor decision and poor application of exactly what VAR was brought in to do and I've said you know several times through through the season I'll almost take the odds ridiculous drawing lines offside decision if it does what it's supposed to do and eliminates all of the obvious errors to me that was a clear and obvious error the ball was still in play yeah Watkins wasn't going to go any get anywhere near it but it doesn't matter like you can't just come out as a keeper and clear someone out you know and it and it's all the more frustrating because of the decision that Harry Kane got and the way it was talked about, oh, wasn't he cute and all of that in the reverse fixture. And I, I do think that was a, a pen. I said so at the time. I think Cash needed to be as clever as uh, Kane was and avoid that situation. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was a pen that Harry Kane went and won. Uh, whereas Watkins wasn't trying to win a pen there. His, you, you see the replays and the, the stills of it and his eyes don't leave the ball at all. He's trying to win the ball. He hasn't stuck his leg out and stuff like that, like some Spurs fans um, on, on Twitter and, and everywhere were, were trying to suggest he did. To me, it's a clear penalty uh, and hugely frustrating that it wasn't given and could easily have cost us in the game. As it turns out, it didn't, but could easily have. Uh, so yeah, just really poor officiating. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if I think if our players, because only Watkins really made a meal of it, apart from Smith on the touchline. I think if our players made a, a more of a meal out of it and got around the referee, then you might have seen uh, the referee looking at it again. It's almost like you have to make a big deal, a big fuss out of these things uh, to get a penalty. Yeah, I, although I think to be fair, much like us seeing it live action, Watkins was a long way ahead of the player, yeah, wasn't true. he? So yeah, true, yeah. you know, the the rest of the team. Probably wouldn't have been as convinced as he was that it was uh, that it was a penalty. But yeah, you're right. But but also it shouldn't take that. Like you only had to see one replay. It's not like it was one of the ones where you had to see 15 angles to decide whether it was a pen or not. Every angle that you saw on the replay made it look clearer and clearer as a pen. And particularly the one from behind the goal. You watch that one. Uh, you know, there's just no question it's a it's a penalty. Um, so yeah, infuriating. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand how VAR have looked at it and decided to do nothing about it. What, like, why don't they? Why, why aren't they made to come out and explain those decisions? And I know they do sometimes. You know, when they had to change a whole fucking law after that um, Man City goal, um, like then they had to come out and make a statement. But it, it was, it was so ridiculous. 
a decision. And I, I don't blame the ref. The ref, like, you know, he, he's seen it in real time. He's looked at it and he's, he's like, oh, the ball's already out there. And I didn't when I first saw it. But the first replay, you see, it is so obviously a, um, a foul, a, a penalty. Like, anywhere else on the pitch, it doesn't matter if it's going out for um, a throw-in. Even if it's already gone out for a throw-in, if someone then trips up the player, they're going to give a foul. It shouldn't make any difference that it's in the... Um, in the penalty area. I mean, and you're talking about that, you know, if we had made more of a deal out of it, then the ref might have given it, given it. But did you see, and you know, I don't want to stick up for Patrick Bamford here, but yeah. did you see his where yeah. he didn't go down, which is, let's say, you know, a massive surprise that he didn't go down just as the wind uh, brushed past him. But he was, he's absolutely right. He shouldn't have to fall over for it to be a foul. And I mean, you know, this is completely different. Watkins was wiped out. I, there's no way, nowhere Watkins could have gone. He was still trying to get the ball. Would he have got it? Probably not. But that shouldn't matter. And um, it was, it's just frustrating. And as AJ says, we went on to win the game, so it didn't matter very much. But we've been on the wrong end of too many of those decisions. And it, it's starting to get really frustrating. Yeah, it's almost like, you get, I mean, I, I was thinking at that point where, you know, we've got, we've conceded a terrible goal. It's our own mistake, fair enough. But then you're trying to get back in the game. We're looking, looking decent. And then you get a decision like that goes against you. You think, what's the point? If you're not going to get those kinds of decisions, and we've seen it against Man United as well, with you know, yes, theirs was a penalty, it was soft, but then you know, we don't get a clear handball. Then Ollie Watkins gets a second yellow for something that's 50 50, where other games just gets given, you know, things like that, where it's just it's all gone against against you. And it's just like, what is the point of VAR if it's not going to equal things up, if it's not going to stop, you know, because. What happens in without VAR and what a lot of people think is, you know, referees get pressurized into giving big clubs decisions, which is you know, is obvious. It's like human nature. If there's if there's a lot riding on the games, these clubs have a lot of clout, there's pressure, the managers are giving pressure, the fans are giving pressure, the decisions do go for them. But VAR is supposed to stop that happening. It's supposed to uh, be a bit of a a bit of a, a check, you know, for 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 officials to say, well, actually, maybe I did get the wrong decision. Maybe, I, you know, maybe it should have been a pen. But the fact they didn't, like you say, Carl, they didn't even check it. They didn't even ask the referee to look at it again on the monitor. You know, I'm convinced if the referee looks at the monitor again and sees that, then he's given it. He's given it as a pen. Yeah. You know, so I, I, what's what's the point of VAR? I, I don't understand. But uh, let's not let's not dwell on it too much because obviously we won a game, but it is frustrating. But then. AJ, we, we get back in the game. We look good again, like I said. Look good for the rest of that first half. Um, and Nakamba pops up on the left. Uh, uh, lovely, lovely uh, floating ball to the back post. What a ball. And Regulon, <laughs> a ball. Regulon has no choice but to uh, put, a, no. put, a, put his right foot on it. Otherwise, you know, who, who knows where that ball's going. So, uh, what, what, you know, not much Regulon could do, was there? Well, it was such a great ball in, wasn't it? Now, ironically, you know, we've talked about actually Nakamba was pretty tidy with his, with his passing. It was his probably his worst pass of the game that, that led that led to the goal, and I genuinely laughed out loud. That that yes. own goal like that. Same. Like, didn't um, didn't celebrate. Just laughed. Was it? I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was the. Uh, wasn't it like some benchmark own goal or something? A like thousandth goal own goal or something stupid like that. I'm sure oh, I read. What 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 some, a way to yeah. deliver that. Yeah, I think it was something wow. like that. unbelievable. Unbelievable! Uh, oh, it was so comically bad that I almost felt sorry for the for the bloke. But uh, and I mean, of course, he was a fault for the second goal as as well, uh, twice actually. Actually, um, <laughs> bad day. All so uh, so yeah, he didn't have his best. He didn't have his best day at the office, did he? But you know, uh, given the penalty and all of that, uh, and some of the other decisions we've had this season, as you said, 
I think we deserved a bit of good fortune, and I'm so sure if any uh, any fan of any other club hear me say that, they'll be going, "Oh, you're only in the league because the technology doesn't work or whatever." But um, this season, I don't think we've had the rubber the green very often, and uh, I think we certainly deserved uh, deserved that, and we deserved to win the game. Which, let's face it, we missed quite a few chances, so we may not have done if uh, Regulon hadn't been kind enough to smash a worldie into the top corner with the outside of his right foot. Yeah. It, oh, he had, a, he had a terrible day, didn't he? Trore, especially. Uh, I thought Trore pressed him really well. You know, so an aspect of his game where it's been a bit hit and miss. Uh, his tracking back obviously needs to improve, but his, his pressure uh, pressing has been, has been great sometimes, not so great other times. But I thought against Tottenham, he was fantastic. The whole team was really, and I thought McGinn set, set the pace for that. Uh, in terms of from midfield, what did you make of Carl? What did you make of McGinn's performance from from midfield? You know, we've seen glimpses of him going back to his best form. He's been poor for a while now. Crystal Palace game, you saw the best and worst of McGinn. First half he was brilliant. Second half he was non-existent, but a really dominant display against, like AJ said, you know, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League in Hoiberg. Uh, fantastic performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he um, he looked back to his best. Um, I thought last night. Um, he looked fitter. Um, I mean, if you look at John McGinn starting the season, you don't imagine that he's going to look his fittest two games before the end of the season. Um, but, um, you know, he's not hes not the fittest of uh, blokes. He, he um, outwardly admits he hates training. I can't imagine he get does any extra hours in the gym, etc. But it's all heart, isn't it? And he does have some lungs on him. And um, But... His quality on the ball was um, much better. Um, his lovely turn that he's done twice this season now on uh, Delhi Alley. Uh, that was another bit where I laughed. Um, it was just I had a great I had a great time watching it uh, last night. But he he was excellent. Um, he um, he's he he's pressing the um, towards the end of the first half um, where I can't remember the chance that that we then set up, but. Um, I think it might have been um, the one when um, uh, Anwar sort of mishit his um, sort of yeah. attempted curl shot. And that all started from a, a brilliant bit of closing down from McGinn. Um, so I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, he's still someone where if you're looking to make that next jump, you don't want him to have to count on him every game next season. Um, but he definitely has the quality to be a, a, a very good player. Um, but I think with the way he is and the way he's mainly all heart and um, you're going to get a fair portion of the season where he's going to have um, sort of runs of bad form. Um, but it was lovely to see him back to his best. Eight, successful, uh, eight successful pressures he had, a tackle and two interceptions. So if you combine him and uh, Nakamba together, you know, that's 18 successful uh, pressures uh you know, four tackles, four interceptions. And and you think a lot of the time this season, we've talked about how passive our midfield uh, has been. It was the total opposite uh, of that. The one thing I would say is he did only complete 75% of his passes. But I think because of the... John McGinn is always brave with his passing. And that does mean he gives it away. And there was, again, one where he passed it across the edge of the box, wasn't there, where it could easily have uh, led to disaster. Uh, that we were talking about in the in the chat, but 
he's the sort of player that's always going to try passes. And if you compare, you know, the length of his passes and how progressive they were versus Nakamba, for example, you would expect him to complete fewer passes because he's always trying to take on more difficult passes and, you know, thread it through and, and looking for through balls and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, a really good all-round performance. And I think, you're right, Omar, he was great in the first half against Palace and he has had a couple of games recently, I'd say, where he's had a good 45 but then not been able to maintain it. Um, and I think, you know, he certainly did that against Spurs. Do, do you think, AJ, do you think he's he's more suited to this type of game where the onus is on us to, to press and counter and, and sort of stifle the opposition team versus a game where, say, we have to impose ourselves on the game and sort of dictate the game? Do you think, do you think he's a, a sort of a horses for courses type player? Yeah, I think I think that's probably true to an extent. I, you know, as Carl mentioned, so much of his game is about his energy and his heart and, uh, and the set of lungs that he's that he's got on him. But the other thing I think, and, and we talked about this with, with with Douglas Louise as well, is I think when Louise and McGinn are both playing, they're kind of both asked to do this kind of hybrid six eight thing where they swap positions. And I, honestly, I don't think that suits either of them particularly well. I think both of them are better when you ask them to do one or the other. And in particular, McGinn is better when he's uh, an eight or even a bit further forward, you know, in a sort of almost 10 where he plays for, for Scotland. But I think, you know, he was genuinely played as that proper box-to-box number eight midfielder against Spurs. And I, I think that in particular suits his game almost regardless of who we're playing against. Although I think you're right that, you know, when when we are um, in a bit of a midfield scrap, uh, as we were, um, I think, you know, that's the sort of game that, that he's uh, better suited to as, as well, rather than one where we've got, you know, 60% of the ball and we're, we're trying to break teams down. Yeah. So let's move on to the, the second goal then. Uh, we've talked about it briefly already. Obviously, excellent play by Troy Regulon, again, making a couple of mistakes. Closes down, but Ollie Watkins there, Carl. Shows what he's all about. He's there. He's ready. He's anticipating. He's helping Torre close down, uh, making it hard for the Spurs defenders. Ball goes ricochets off uh, Torre, and he he sort of knocks it down with his head. Great control, and then ha- ha- holds off Eric Dyer so easily, and then slots it away. Caps off a, a really good, another good display for for Ollie Watkins, fourteenth uh, league goal of the season. I think well, sixteen goals in all competition, five assists. What have you made of him this season and how impressed have you been by him? I mean, he's been a brilliant signing. <clears throat> Absolutely brilliant. Um I would um I would say um best signing in the whole league this season was Martinez. Um I'd say Watkins isn't far off being second in the whole league. He's just been phenomenal. And I tell you, the one bit um of that goal which shows which sort of makes him stand out to you sort of, um, I don't know, your, your normal sort of Premier League uh, quality striker, is that little header. That little header that he sort of uses to control himself, c- controls it to himself, is just brilliant. And it's it's the only way he's scoring from there. Um, otherwise, Dyer gets back. If that head, Dyer's not expecting him to, to sort of control that forward with his head. He's expecting him to try and get it under control and then try and do something with it. But that little touch with his head um, was just brilliant and it just completely took Dyer out of the game. Um, but I think I, I think he's been a brilliant sign and he's had a brilliant season. Uh, I can only see him getting better. And 
I think he's probably going to be in the uh, Euro squad yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, th- talking about Euro squad there, uh, AJ, the was going to be my next question actually was, um, you know, in, in that, in that, in that game, we saw obviously Deli Ali, who's sort of a bit of a resurgence in form and, and, and sort of pundits are talking about him maybe making the squad this late on and obviously how talented he is. He's, you know, he's only 25 still and, Yes, it's been an up and down season for him, but he's still obviously a quality player. But what did you make of the sort of a key battles in and around that that game? So Ali and Grealish, you know, two number 10 type players, uh, you know, 60% Grealish outshining Dali Ali. Uh, Ollie Watkins versus Eric Dyer, you know, another England muted centre-back that Gary Southgate likes and, and he's, he's showing against that kind of centre-back. And then Mings versus Harry Kane as well, with obviously uh, Harry Maguire being injured, potentially missing the start of the Euros. Yeah, uh, you know, what what did you make of those trio of Aston Villa players who potentially will be in the England squad and and their their stakes for a, a, a claim in the uh, in the team come the Euros? Well, Jack Jack has to go. Uh, if he doesn't take if he doesn't take Jack, I think the country as a whole will be up in arms. It's not just Villa fans anymore that that see the value of, of Grealish. And you know, I, I said Jack didn't have his have his best game, but he was still probably the best player for the sixty minutes that he. That he played. He had over 300 yards of progressive carries, which is more than double anyone else in the entire game on either side. Um, he he passed the ball forward 230 yards, and again, only only defenders and Hoiberg uh, were ahead of him on on that. And I've, I've mentioned before that obviously defenders have a better opportunity to progress the ball further up the field. And you know, if you think about our, our defenders playing it in the channels and stuff, you get a and lot I, of yardage. Yeah. Hoiberg usually starts off the attacks behind the centre half a lot of the time yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So you know, I, I, Jack was not at his best, and yet still progressed the ball forward better than any other uh, any other player on the on the pitch in that in that game. Uh, so yeah, I, I've said before, nobody in the league is better if you look at the stats at progressing the ball through a combination of um, carrying it or passing it. Nobody is nobody is better. It's interesting as well if you look at his heat map. Um, he played nominally in the centre, but actually was massively over to the left. But I think the advantage of him being in the centre is that when he drifts over to the left, you've got a, a wide player in Al Ghazi there already. You've got Traore overlap. Um, sorry, you've got target overlapping. So often we're we're uh, outnumbering uh, and overloading on the left in a way that you can't do when he's the player that's mm. playing there. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Jack again. For all it was by his standards, probably a seven out of ten performance. He was still probably the best player on the pitch for the sixty or yeah. odd minutes that he was that he was on. Entire back five was excellent again, wasn't it? I mean, you look at the list of players uh, that they were up against in that game. Son, Kane, um, uh, Bale came on, and all right, he's not the player that he that he was, but he's still uh, he still had some excellent performances uh, in this season, off uh, off and on. Ali that you've mentioned, and they just they didn't really get a kick any of them. Harsh you know, on Bergwijn there, mate. Well, didn't, Bergwijn, didn't even mention him. I've, well, uh, Bergwijn, I think was probably their best their best player, and he probably should have scored another one in the second half as well. Where yeah, Emmy made a couple of good saves, but but the one chance he had was sort of in the middle of the goal, and uh, he, he should have done better with it. Um, really, I think you know it was such a great finish for the first one where he absolutely wellied it into the top corner. 
he sort of tried to do that for both of his other finishes as well. And actually, especially that that one, that the first of the two chances that he had, which I think was the better one, he'd probably have been better off trying to place that one, to be honest. But um, but yeah, I thought Bergwijn was, was good. But yeah, all the attacking talent that they've got, which when you see their lineup when you go into the into the game, it is worrying. They just uh, didn't. They just didn't get a kick. Harry, Harry Kane basically had that one chance, and it was a chance he fashioned for himself. Uh, and uh, nearly caught Martinez out at the near post. Uh, and I think maybe Mings could have done a little bit better with that chance uh, as well. But beside that, um, the, the other, the, the entire back five was uh, was was excellent. Uh, and in terms of the overall performance, it's actually only the third time this season that we've had an XG. Uh, sorry, this year, twenty twenty one. We've had an XG over two in a game. Uh, and the other ones were West Brom and Burnley, by the way, neither of which we managed to, to win. So <laughs> even though the, the first of those goals was gifted to us, actually, we, we definitely deserve to win that that game. And we probably should have scored. Um, we probably should have scored again. So, yeah, I thought we won every every significant matchup in the game. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and obviously... Um... Talk about Jack there. He created a good chance for Algarzi as well, uh, which which Algarzi should have done better for him. I think he created four chances that game as well. So adding to his numbers, that he's you know, already high numbers that he's got this season. Uh, and then second half, really a bit, a bit like the first half. You know, Spurs started off for the first ten minutes really well, had a couple of chances. Uh, as you said, Martinez did did really well with a couple of them, um, and the defense did well with a couple of others. But then apart from that 10 minute spell against, again, Villa looked pretty solid in defence and, and probably should have made better of a lot of situations we got ourselves in. A lot of our shooting opportunities where that either we took a bit too much too much time to shoot or it got blocked off. Uh, Troy obviously came close. Uh, and there's a few other instances where, you know, the goal sort of opened up for us and we, we didn't take the shot. So plenty of sort of two on one situations uh, in, the, in the second half counted pretty well. Uh, and then... Towards the end of the uh, the game, 84, 85 minutes, uh, a surprise substitution for me. I don't know what it was for you. Chuck Wameka coming on uh, and play the number 10 role. Uh, Carl, what did you make of of the brave substitutions by Dean Smith, bringing Chuck Wameka on firstly and then and then Philogene Bidace later on towards the end of the game as well? Uh, a big show of faith from Smith. Yeah. Um, if... You know, look at, looking at it, and, and it, you're right, it was a really brave decision. Um, if that doesn't come off, you, you can imagine the sort of pelters that a certain part of the fan base would have given him for doing that. But actually, that's what you want to do to young players, isn't it? Like, here you go, here's, you, you've got 10 minutes, we need to hold on and win this game, but actually we're not, we're not defending for our lives. We want you to sort of get forward and just be brave on the ball. Um, so actually, I, it it was really brave. It came off, and um, I thought, it, uh, why not? Why not do it? Um, I I wasn't surprised that he brought him on. Um, I, I was kind of because he, he mentioned in the um, in his press conference that he, he kind of made the point of saying if he was going to do it, he was going to do it against Spurs because obviously the the uh, finals on uh, Monday for the the um, under 18s. So I, I had a feeling he was going to do it at some stage. When it got to 80 minutes, I thought we wouldn't see him. So it was a slight surprise it came so late, um, but I can understand why. But it, yeah, it was a brave um, decision. And but you know, I mean, both of them. I mean, I, I know um, Philogene um, Bidace. Bidace, yeah. Bidace. Yeah. 
I'm guessing. <laughs> but, but it was better than um, Chris Coleman's attempt. Uh, oh, he, he's time. a terrible. Oh, he's a terrible. Yeah, he's awful. He was talking awful. about how guys is brilliant at tracking back. Uh, and, I know. And, he, and I was just like, and oh. Holly Watkins. Holly Watkins forced himself into the number nine position ahead of Wesley, despite it being because Wesley was com- like injured for a year. Yeah, and we had no literally couldn't stand yeah. up. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, he was he was awful. Um, yeah. But. Um, but I thought, um, like he he looked it looked unnatural. Both of them did, but Chuck Wemeka just looked so comfortable on the ball. Um, and oh, God, I wanted that goal to go in so much. Yeah, uh, obviously been linked with uh, with Dortmund, AJ uh, today. Uh, uh, a player, obviously highly thought of. Uh, Persler mentioned last year. He's the best sixteen year old, seventeen years old now. Obviously, best sixteen year old in the country. He signed a three year contract uh, back in October time, I think. Uh, and obviously Villa will want to tie him down to a, a longer term deal. But how impressed were you with, with those two? And and also, I mean, I don't know what you thought. I thought uh, you know, Spurs were still trying to get that trying to get that equaliser, looked in a bit of the ascendancy, but I thought the two that came on, the two youngsters that came on, kept the ball really well and, and actually nullified Spurs completely and and sort of saw the game out really well. And I was quite quite surprised by that. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we, we've mentioned how well, when you watch the under-18s, they play and how well they keep the ball and how well they press and, and all of that. And they just, they didn't look out of place at all. Um, Chuck Wilmaker completed every single one of his passes when he came on. He did only make three, so it's a very small sample size. To be, to be fair, still, I, think he's, I, think, I think for the season in the youth team, he's about 100% as well when yeah, you've seen yeah. him. So. And he also won 100% of his tackles. That was only one tackle, but still, yeah, you know, to that. have two columns with 100% in when you've only got five or seven minutes or whatever he had. Um, and he nearly scored on top of that. So, um, so yeah, I, I just think he looks so... Uh, so good um, and look I really hope he doesn't go to Dortmund Dortmund obviously have a fantastic record of taking young players including young English players and getting them in the first team early and giving them exposure to uh, one of the top five leagues and uh, typically to the Champions League as well although I think they qualified this year I think I know they were on they're, they're, the sort of they, verge yeah, of not I think they were not but then I think the weekend results went for them so I think they're right. probably going to qualify just um, about so, look, it's tempting. It's a great place to go and play football with, you know, the standing and uh, f- hopefully full crowds next season and, and all of that. So I, I, I hope we can convince him that he can get enough first-team football here that he doesn't have to go and uh, and, and play somewhere else because he, he looks like a phenomenal talent. Um, but I can see why anyone uh, in his position might be tempted by by Dortmund. Yeah. On the positive side, if if he if he does go, at least it's only the number 60 shirt that we have to retire rather than <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I probably won't be used too often uh in the future, but yeah. I mean I mean you still with Jude Bellingham obviously it's an attractive proposition. Uh Sancho Sancho as well and 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 you know but, um we uh, Jude Bellingham is a player that I've known about for a few years. Mike Dodds who's his mentor and and coach is a is a is a good friend of the, the Villa Talks podcast at Birmingham City. Uh, and he's been bigging up Jude Billingham for years. And I think Dortmund was always his likely destination. I think a lot of young English players see that as a potential route, German football. You know, we've seen it with Serge Nabry as well. I know he's I know he's German himself, but you know, he didn't get much of a look in at Arsenal, went to West Brom, etc. So there's definitely a route there for players. I think more and more younger players are going abroad to sort of find their feet, get an opportunity, play a league that's less, probably less competitive and intense compared to the Premier League. But more importantly, I think less media scrutiny for young English players. Because, you know, you can see it with Jack Grealish, what we've seen here, 
with him when he broke into the scene and, and you know every every move he made outside of football was was pictured and posted on the national newspapers we've seen it with plenty of players over the years and I think the fact that they can develop and play their football and, and get away from that kind of circus is only beneficial for them so you know maybe his agent whoever is advising him may see that as a good move but hopefully we can convince him to, to stay obviously he's got another two years on this deal but I think the plan is as soon as he turns 18, we're going to try and tie him up for a long-term contract if we can. So I think that's in October time, I think, is, is when we'll see and a decision will be made on his future. But I, I guess we'll see. But exciting times anyway. And uh, we'll we'll see the Youth Cup final, obviously, on Monday. And we'll probably do a pod uh, of the Youth Cup final because I think it's such a momentous occasion for our under-18s. They've worked so hard to get there and it's a big match for them. And it'll be interesting to see how they how they do. Uh, let's move I've on. I've got my prediction for that. I've got my prediction for that. Then. If you want to hear, yeah, yeah, twenty-seven nil. Oh, really? Who's scoring? Mm-hmm. Chuck McAwell, twenty-seven. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, fair play. You know, under I always thought under 18s is a big step down from. It, well, it is a big step down from men's football, and not always players can always make that step up. But the fact that they, I know it was only five, ten minutes, but the fact that they, you know, they uh, made themselves. You know, you should, they should be proud of themselves, the fact that they stepped up to that level and, and, and made a difference to our team because they did make a difference. It wasn't like they were just there for numbers. They they kept the ball really well between the two of them, created chances, obviously hit the post and, and really saw the game out excellently, I thought. So fantastic for those boys and, and a really a really good sign for our future. But let's, let's move on to uh, sun, uh, Sunday's game against Chelsea at home. Oh, can I just, uh, can I just mention Meg's watch, mate? Oh yeah, do, sorry. Yeah, go, another, for it. go for it. There's another two, there was another two Megs in that game. Troy again, who's our only consistent Megs. I've got one and Watkins got one as well. So uh, another two Megs to the tally, which hopefully, you know, the back end of the season, we've had, we've had a few Megs. So maybe going into next season, we might move up the Megs table a little bit. Uh, thanks, AJ. Excellent Megs watchers, uh, as always. Uh, uh, we we'll, might do an end-of-season review, maybe do best Megs of the season. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Can't remember any of them. I can't remember any of them. I, I can never remember any of them. Uh, I'll have to go and pour, pour over the footage and find them. There's, look, fortunately, there's not many of them to find. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Should, should be fine. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, the Chelsea game at home. Uh, bit of a, a bit of an interesting one. Obviously, the... Uh, first home game for well, first game for Villa this season that uh, we're going to have fans back in the stadium. Obviously, back in was it December time when they let fans in, or was it November time? I can't quite remember. We we were uh, Birmingham wasn't in the, the right tiers, so we couldn't get fans back in. But a big uh, a big day for a lot of fans. Ten thousand fans were the lucky ones. Uh, the Villa Talks crew uh, were a few of the lucky ones as well. So they'll be there cheering on the boys. Uh, nothing it doesn't really matter too much for us now. We can't finish any higher than 11th. We can't finish any lower than 11th, um, especially because Arsenal won. Uh, so just a game really just to end the season really well. And then Chelsea obviously are fighting for Champions League, a big game for them. They've also got the Champions League final as well. Uh, AJ, what are you what are your thoughts going into that into that game? Uh, I, well, first of all, I'm absolutely certain that our fans won't embarrass us in the way Spurs fans embarrassed uh, <laughs> embarrassed them by booing, booing them off at the end of the at the end of the game. And also, I felt that was a bit of an insult to us, to be honest. It's not like they'd lost at home to Sheffield United. You know, we're not that far behind them in the league. But anyway, uh, it'd be great to have fans in the ground, and I hope they give the players uh, the um, uh, the send off that they deserve, uh, given the season we've had, almost regardless of what happens in the. In the result, it's an odd one because Chelsea need a result, and I sort of 
was hoping that they wouldn't either they were out of the equation in terms of finishing in the top four or they were nailed on to finish in the top four and they'd then have their eyes on the Champions League uh, final but you know they're going to want to get a result because there's no guarantees of the Champions League final but I think that should be motivation for us as well because denying them a place for the Champions League would be uh, obviously a lot of fun and especially for the 10,000 fans that are there uh, it's a bit of an incentive isn't it um like most of the big teams, I know it's interesting in the sort of uh, little chat we had before we came uh, on to record the show, you guys were saying there's quite a few good memories of Chelsea games. And there are a few. We had quite a good records against them in the Mourinho uh, years, especially, you know, given how they were dominating the league at that time. But we've still got a pretty poor record against them overall, if you look at it, as we have against most of the um, strong teams in the division. Uh, we've only won once in our last 12 games uh, against Chelsea. And maybe we've put them out of our minds a little bit, but in the not too distant past, there's been a good few hammerings in there as well. We lost 4 0 at home to them last season. Back in 2010, we obviously got pasted 7 1 and Lampard scored four uh, in that in that game. Uh so yeah, the head to head is not uh, is not brilliant and therefore since Tuchel took over, has been pretty good, really, especially defensively. They've won five of their last seven in the league. They did lose one to Arsenal um, uh, the game before uh, last, but they've only lost twice since Tuchel took over, so that's twice in their last 18 games, and both of those um, were at home, so they're actually unbeaten away from home under Tuchel. Um, they did lose four away games earlier in the season, but they were all under uh, under Lampard, who's obviously a very different uh, kettle of fish. Uh, and under Tuchel as well, they've only conceded more than one goal on one occasion uh, under Tuchel. So they are really hard to score against. Now, that one game was the West Brom game where they did actually concede five. But that was a bit of a freak game, to be honest. And the, X, the XG for West Brom was only 1.9 in that game. So the fact that they scored five didn't really reflect the defensive performance of, of Chelsea. It's just sort of everything went West Brom's way in that game. So, yeah, of course, it's going to be a tough game. They've got something to play for. We haven't really, apart from the 10,000 fans that will be there cheering it. We're not likely to... to um, or they're going to make it very difficult for us to score goals because they have done um, ever since Tuchel took, uh, took over. Um and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge um, uh, all round. Having said that, they don't score huge amounts of goals either, generally speaking. Um, they haven't got a single player in double figures for the season. Um, their top goal scorer is Jorginho with seven. And of course, most of those are penalties. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they're not, um, they've only scored five goals more than us, which when you think about their position in the league versus ours, uh, they're not exactly uh, a goal machine either. But So it'll probably be a fairly tight game, but it will be a struggle for us to break them down. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a fair summation uh, of the game. We'll talk about some of the key battles in a second, AJ. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on Mason Mount in particular. Um, Carl, would you expect to see, see the same team uh, as the one that beat Spurs? No changes, same kind of setup? Or would you, would you expect us being at home? Uh, maybe uh, do you know to to change it up in midfield? Maybe bring Louise back in for Nokamba. Uh, maybe Elmo right back, or do you think he'll keep it the same? I think he'll keep it exactly the same. Uh, I can't see him making any changes, um, and I don't think he should. I think I'd go with the same team as well. Um, 
it will be will be a difficult match. Um, and I know they're good defensively and they don't score too many goals. But if they need to win on Sunday, um, I think that might give us a little sniff. Um, and not too don't feel too negative about the match. Actually, um, I um, I reckon it'll be a good game. And um, I wish I was one of the ten thousand there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it would be nice to finish on 55 points anyway, wouldn't it? Be our, well, we've already got our 13th most successful points total in Premier League history. First time we've uh, finished on, was it positive goal difference in the 09-10 season? So, Unless Chelsea beat us. Well, which which could happen. You know, we talked about a few pastings <laughs> earlier. Yes, it could happen. Uh, you never know. But, you know, an excellent season so far. But it'd be great to finish on 55 points. But also, still frustrating, isn't it, Asia, that <laughs> we could uh, easily, without Jack getting injured, which I know everyone, every team has injuries, but to miss a third of the season when he's your very best player, you know, we could easily be five, ten points better off. Uh, regard- I mean, even even without, even even without, without Jack, it, yeah. when you yeah. look, even some of the points we've left on the table when you look at the Burley game, the way we managed to go so far behind at home to Southampton, despite them not outplaying us by, by that much. Um, Newcastle, you know, Newcastle uh, game. Away. Newcastle game, draw, drawing at home to West Brom, who I know were fighting for their lives and all of that. But, you know, there's games we should have picked up points in where uh, we haven't, either, even without Jack. And, and again, you know, again, this is a drum I seem to bang every week that I'm on the podcast. I don't think we make enough of the COVID outbreak and, you know that was the real inflection point of where our form started to to dip, rather than Jack's injury. Jack's injury exacerbated that those problems, but the the form really started to fall away after that COVID outbreak, and we still don't really know the extent to which it's affected the the players. But we've got a thin first team anyway. We already know as soon as you have to rely on players off the bench, uh, that the the quality of the first eleven dips uh, substantially. And to have nine players out of what is at best um, 15 to, to sort of 16 players who you, you think you could rely on in that in that first team, you know, at least four or five of those have got to be amongst the key players. And we don't know who they were. Um, but, you know, anyone who's had COVID, I've thankfully been fortunate enough not to be one of them, but anyone who's had it, regardless of whether they get the long COVID or not, seems to really struggle to just get back to their day-to-day life. And at the end of the day, they're not trying to play elite sport in one of the toughest leagues in the... In, yeah. In the- yeah, I mean, we've, we mentioned on this pod, with this pod, uh, Ch- uh, Chadzi, you know, obviously one of the key contributors to the pod, you know, he's had he's had long COVID and he he said himself, he really he's a former professional rugby player and he and he, he really struggles just to take the dog out for a walk. Uh, he really does. Yeah. But still, uh, to this day, you know, he struggles. And, and I play. don't think... Uh, the only other team that you could argue has had a similar impact is maybe Newcastle because they've had players that have struggled to get back into the team and, and all that after their out, outbreak. But even then, I'm not sure they had as many first-team players no. affected. Uh, but even then, you've, you've seen, so you've seen them have an uptick in form as either. well, haven't you, Newcastle, as well, yes. which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. isn't surprising. So, um, so yeah, frustrating in, in many ways. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, uh, gosh, we're talking about games where we've left. Uh, gosh, I didn't see. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jolly. Jolly. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, the Crystal Palace game, obviously, you know, we were by far the better team in the first half. That was just last, last week. And I, I was really frustrated after that game uh, that... You know, and Palace did a number on us, fair enough, but we should have been able to respond and we didn't. Uh, and you look now, especially at that sort of battle for those Europa League places 
the the conference. Um, and the teams are falling over each other not to get into it. And if we just clog on a little bit, a little bit more, then we we could well have been on the verge of it. But but probably it's more in our interest to not be in that at quite this stage of our development. Yeah, it's a good point. Anyway, yeah. as much as as much as it'd be better for um, feeling positive about the end of the season. So yeah, some frustrations, but but happy overall. I think. So, so, so talking about the uh, the Chelsea game, then uh, we've we've talked about before this sort of fake media rivalry with Mason Mount and Jack Grealish. They don't even play in the same position. Mason Mount's obviously a fantastic player and, and probably one of Southgate's key picks in that first eleven. You'd imagine. Uh, what have you made of, of Mason Mount? How did you differ from Jack Grealish? Uh, and can they both play in the in the same team? Do you think, AJ? Well, uh, arguably they do play in the same position if uh, Jack plays in the middle, which I think he, which I think he should. But uh, they are quite different players, and they could definitely play in the same team. Uh, Mason Mount generally plays centrally. Jack has generally played out out wide, uh, and I would certainly pick both for England. Mason Mount, um, he's got six goals and five assists this season, so that's a pretty good return. Not quite as good as Jack's return, and in a better team if we are comparing them, but still pretty good. Um, and he's uh, one of the things that um, Southgate mentioned when he was comparing Mount, uh, and a lot of people jumped on it to, to Grealish, was his ability to, to press a bit more. Uh, and for all, I don't think Jack is a lazy player, and I think he does he does his share uh, defensively as far as we ask him to. Um, he's not in the same league as Mount on that stuff. Uh, Mason Mount is in the top 5% um, of attacking midfielders for tackles and pressures. Uh, uh, in the in the league, and even if you look at him as a midfielder, because sometimes he plays a bit deeper, you know he's still uh, competitive on those sorts of uh, measures uh, as well. But certainly as an attacking midfielder, he's one of the best pressures in the league, one of the best at winning the ball back high up the high up the pitch. But he's also an excellent passer of the ball. So you know we talked about how Jack is a very good passer, but his where he really excels is his ball carrying. Um, Mason Mount is kind of the opposite of that, where where, where he excels is uh, bringing other people into the game. His pass completion rate's very high. His progressive passing uh, is very strong uh, too um, as well, whereas he's not quite as good a ball carrier um, as as Jack, and generally that's not so part of his, not as much of his game. So, you know, I think they could really complement each other for England. And probably if I was picking a three now to play behind Kane based on form this season, my three would be Grealish, Mount and Foden. Uh, and that's a tough pick because you're leaving out people like Sancho and Sterling and Rashford who are all very good players who have had good seasons. But those are the three for me that if I was playing a 4-2-3-1 type system, which Southgate probably won't play, but is what I would play for England, those are the three that I would pick behind Kane, who picks himself as the main centre forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. I think I think Mount, especially I think um, this latter half of the of the season, I think he's really come into his own, and he's been the key cog. I think probably the the key the key player alongside Kante for Chelsea for the resurgence of their form and and how well they've done as a Tuchel uh, and the Champions League especially as well. And I, I really like Mount. I think he's an excellent player, and I think he, I agree with you. I think they can both play in the same team and would complement each other really well. Um, one player we're unlikely to see. Carl on, on Sunday is Tammy Abraham, obviously uh, a player linked again with Villa, player obviously been at Villa before, uh, close affinity to the club. Would you would you sign him in the summer? Would you expect to sign him in the summer? Um, 
just want to make a quick point on Mount uh, before we yeah, move on sure. to go, go Abraham. And that, that, well, that's just this rivalry uh, and Villa fans hate Mount, whatever. The re- that's all came from whenever Gre- um, Southgate was asked a question about Grealish, he'd just immediately start talking about Mount. And like, so that's where it came from. Mount is a brilliant player and he'd start for me for England, um, as would Jack. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's not, I mean, the, you know, there's, there's some, um, banter, um, I'm doing, uh, speech marks by the way, um, where people will, you know, slag off Mount needlessly, uh, over the internet, but he's a brilliant player. And, but it all stemmed from Southgate weirdly just bringing up Mount in every conversation that um, people were asking him about Grealish. But anyway, um, Tammy Abraham, um, would I sign him? Um, I wouldn't complain if uh, Tammy was coming back. Um, he did really well for us. Um, I think he's a he's a good player. Um, but if we're talking about £40 million, pounds, uh, I have to believe there's someone better out there for that sort of money. Um, I don't think Abraham's as good as Watkins. Yeah, they're both very different players. Um, but I, I I just have a feeling with the way Dean Smith sets up, he his, his reluctance to play um, Keenan Davis is kind of more of a similar player to Tammy than uh, Watkins is. His reluctance to play him suggests to me that he doesn't see himself playing as a as a big strike. And I know Tammy's not a um, traditional big uh, number nine uh, centre forward, but he doesn't have the attributes that uh, Watkins has. And if I think if we're trying to buy a player, it needs to be someone that. Because bear, bear in mind, we're only going to be playing one striker next season. We're not we're not suddenly going to start playing four four two. So it's going to be someone who if Watkins is out of the team, can come in and there's not so much of a drop in quality. So I, you know, as I say, I, I like him. Um, he did, he did great for us in the championship. Um, I wouldn't complain if we decided to buy him, but I feel there's must be better out there for the sort of money we're talking about. And I don't really think he'll fit in to how Smith plays now. Yeah, I think so. I I, I agree. I, I I expect us to sign him. I think Dean Smith loves him. I think Dean Smith is a really close relationship with Tammy Abraham, and I think he's a completely different type of player. He's, he's just a pure striker. He's a pure goal scorer. He doesn't bring a lot else to the to the team, does he? AJ, in terms of his overall contribution team, he's, he's a pure natural finisher and a box man, really, isn't he? And and maybe it's a different option. Maybe it's something else. But do you think we need a different option, or do you think we need the same kind of player as Watkins? The stats really bear out everything that you guys have just just said to be honest I mean he is very good in the air he wins a lot of duels uh, aerial duels um, and uh, he, he scores goals although Chelsea fans would say he, he misses too many chances for their for their liking but of course we're not we're not quite at that level that they're at where you, you, you can't afford to miss a single chance without to be fair I think he um, I think he I remember him missing a fair few in the championship for us he, had, yeah. he used to have bags full of uh, chances again but sorry so that's right, mate. Um, he's uh, he scored six goals. <laughs> he's scored six goals this season, uh, but he's only played about a thousand minutes. So that's roughly a rate of one in two on a per ninety uh, basis. And he was similar last year. He got fifteen goals, and I think his per ninety was 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 point six. So that's pretty good for a striker. You know, you'd look at there aren't many Villa strikers over the years that have scored one goal every two games in the uh, in the Premier League. 
Um, but he really doesn't contribute very much else. He's got one assist this season. He only got three last season when he obviously played a lot more um, games. He's in the bottom 10 or 20% of forwards for goal creation and shot creation. So he's not bringing other people into the game really very much at all. Um, he's in the bottom 20% for pass completion amongst forwards as well. So he's not he's not great uh, at passing the ball um, either. And to Carl's point, he really doesn't contribute very much defensively or on the on the press. So I think if you are the thing in his favor I suppose the argument for him in one way is that he's a very different sort of player to Watkins and if that's what we want a kind of player who we can find with crosses and score headed goals regularly um who is going to run in behind a sort of almost like Calvert-Lewin like sort of play between the 18 yard line uh, uh, and uh, and try and score goals, but but not contribute um, much else. Then he's he's a good option at doing that. But is that how we're going to want to play? And are we going to want to use someone often enough in that type of mm. role to make it worth that that sort of money? And also, obviously, we don't know about Wesley, but surely that's what Wesley would do for us um, if because Wesley's not going to come in and chase people down all game and all that. however however well bended his knee is. He's going to be that guy who you want to hit with crosses and who can hold the ball up and uh, and, and so on. So, um, yeah, I just he doesn't feel like a fit for me, um, and I think he's over, overpriced. Uh, which you know whether we'd have to pay what they're you know you don't have to pay what they're asking. Maybe no no one will pay it, but it does seem like other people are interested. Um, so yeah, I, he just doesn't feel like a fit. I like him. I'm grateful for what he did to get us promoted. And I think he will continue to score goals in the Premier League for whoever he plays for. But whether that sort of one in two goal return without contributing anything else to the team overall really is enough. Tuchel certainly doesn't think it's enough. Um, So I'm not sure if we should. Yeah, I think I'm with Carl here and yourself here, AJ. I think um, for the money being mooted, no way I would go for him. He wouldn't be my first choice, even at 30 million probably. But if we did sign him, I'd trust Dean Smith. I'd trust the, the recruitment team to sign him. Obviously, they've, they've they've coached him and trained with him, so they know what he's all about. And, and I wouldn't be averse to it. I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's the type of player that we need. If it was me, and I don't want to dwell on this too, point too long, because I want to move on to predictions and memories, because obviously we're uh, running, running over time slightly. If it was me, I'd 100% be going for Christian Benteke. And I know they say never go back and, and all that type of stuff, but he's on a free, a low-cost option as your third, fourth-choice striker. Like he's still a fantastic player. He's a close affinity to Aston Villa, and he's that type of player. He can, he can, he can, He's excellent in the box. He's excellent in the air. He's great at holding up the play. Yes, he's not going to press. He's not going to be only Watkins-type signing, but I think as an option off the bench or an option in certain games, I think, he can play in a two as well. That that's the kind of player I'd be going for as a low cost option. The alternative, obviously, is to go for someone younger with a bit more potential. But then I suppose we've got that in Wesley already, haven't we? We spent twenty odd million on him as a as a not the ready made article, the finished article as a, a player with potential. Obviously, the injuries has happened, so we're not sure what kind of player we'll have now. But I don't think we should be spending big big money on on a forward. I think we should be looking at wide areas in midfield as our as our expensive signings. So if you'd have said Ben Takai about six weeks ago, I'd have shut my laptop down, but he's, uh, he started scoring again. Well, ten, so. ten, 10 goals in the Premier League this season. You know what I mean? It's yeah. six in the last six, six weeks. Though, that's Ben Takai though. He, that's what he's about, isn't he? He yeah. goes and runs, doesn't he? That's the way he is. But I think, I still, I think his general play is still, still good enough. I think. 
I can see where you're coming from, Omar. He's kind of a he's a Davis type player, isn't he? Yeah. But he better at it. Um or at least he has been in the last six weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, my my view is if we're signing someone to be backup for Watkins, they need to be someone who could do a similar job to True, Watkins. Yeah. I think we've got in it, it, I think we need to give Wesley at least until January to see if he can play that role as the guy where when we're struggling and we want to go a bit more direct or whatever, you know, we need to give him that that opportunity. So if we are signing a forward in the summer, I think it needs to be someone who can compete with or be back up to to Watkins. But but as you say, my absolute priority is a strong uh, holding midfield player. But probably don't want to get into that now. I dare say yeah. when we do, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do that. We'll do that summer stuff. Yeah. We'll yeah. we'll talk about signings. Yeah. So let's move on then. Predictions quickly, Carl. Twenty-seven now. Goal scorers. Uh, Grealish is going to score 20 of them. Uh, and Marvellous is going to score a hat-trick. Uh, two from Al Ghazi. Uh, one from Watkins, which is a poor showing for him um, compared to my <laughs> previous 27 nil predictions. Yeah. And a Kante own goal. Okay. Well, I, well, I, think, I don't think Kante's going to be playing, but well, I'll give you that. Sorry, no, not can't take Mount own goal. All <laughs> oh, right, sorry. There you go. <laughs> AJ? Uh, I think we're going to lose. Uh, I think Chelsea have got so much on the line. Um, and But I think it will be tight and I reckon we might nick a goal. So I'll say 2-1. I- I'm going to say 2-1 Villa. I think, uh, I think we're going to do another come from behind special. We haven't done many of them, obviously. But I think they're Chelsea going to go ahead and I think they're going to bottle it and we're going to we're going to score an equaliser and they're going to go gung-ho to try and get the win and then we're going to get one on the uh, on the counter. Come on, brother. Come on, Villa. Come on. I'm very, very, uh, very much looking forward to that game and I hope the fans enjoy it as well. Uh, right, quick, just just quickly, quick five minutes on memories. Uh, obviously, AJ's mentioned most of them were in Mourinho era. Uh, Carl, any, any good memories? I've got a few myself, but I'll let you go first. Well, um, I can't remember. There was two home wins. Um, the one where um, Zach Knight and Gabby scored. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember if it was that one or the one where Collins and Dunn scored for us, which uh, got Mourinho the sack. I can't remember which one of those games it was, but I know one of them got him the sack. But my best memory in sort of recent years of Chelsea, um, we didn't win it, it but it, uh, the 4-4 at Stamford yeah. Bridge. Yeah. Um, which to this day, every now and again on YouTube, there's the footage from the Soccer Saturday um, guys, and Alan McAnally loses his shit when we uh, <laughs> yeah, I see that when we <laughs> score the uh, fourth, I think it is. Um, but yeah, that was a brilliant game, Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Boxing yeah, Day. Boxing yeah, Boxing Day. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a, know, such a such a good what? game. Do you know where I watched that game? Where did you watch it? On on uh, on uh, on CFAX. Literally, we watched it on the radio. Uh, well, we listened to the radio. Me and my dad and my brother were listening on the radio, watching a football focus on on uh, BBC One, and then something happened to the radio. When, when the, the signal went or something, so we're literally watching it on three o two. I think it was the page just hitting refresh, and it was like just a crazy like the last ten minutes, just crazy. It's like I've never been so excited by text on the screen. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it seems weird now when you can watch every single game, but back then, obviously, it wasn't uh, as available. But yeah, yeah. I, the, well, we finished. We finished with ten men. They finished with nine, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, 
Who got sent off first? Lot was it? Ashley. Ashley Cole got sent off. Uh, Zach Knight. Zach Knight got sent off. Zach Knight. Yeah. Zach Knight. yeah. Zach Knight. He, he got sent off and injured himself at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Carvalho got sent off for them as well. And then Ashley Cole. Sean, was, Sean yeah, Maloney Cole. had a, one of his best games for us in that game. I remember two. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, two. Yeah. two goals. Who got, yeah. who got the other? His ones? second one from outside the box, which um, just kind of crawled through. Kudicini was Kudicini in goal for oh, them. Or was that check? check. It was check. 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 Yeah, it check. Yeah, it was a Sean Maloney, and then. Uh, Larson. Larson and Barry. Larson and Barry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Barry uh, the that, it was, I think uh, you're, you're going back the uh, Zach Knight go- goal, Zach Knight game. I think that was the, that yeah. was the game that Mourinho got sacked. And uh, AJ, just before I come to you, the interesting story for me is, uh, so my mate Sam, who I lived with in, in Nottingham uh, at the time, so I was going from Nottingham watching all these games as a season ticket at the time. Uh, he, he's, he's a massive football fan, great football player, but never supported a team. So it was really weird. The only team he supported was England. He's one of these weird guys who didn't have a team. That's, so that's very weird. weird, very weird. But anyway, I took him to a Villa game. And I said, look, this is a really exciting team we're building here. And uh, I took him to a game the season before, which was the Villa-Portsmouth when J- David James equaled the clean sheet record. And it was the most boring game. Nothing oh, happened. Yeah. And I, he was like, what kind of game have you taken me to? And then it took me about a year to build up the courage to take him to another game. And I took him to a Villa-Chelsea game. And we watched that game. And it was just like the most amazing game. Villa were fantastic that day. And that was the first real sign of a Martin O'Neill sort of Villa team that was going to do things. Unfortunately, obviously, right. we, know, we know how it ended, but... Yeah, yeah. It, Ashley Young as well brilliant. was fan- so good fantastic that in yeah. that guy. A junior Belletti absolutely rinsed him, I think. He was playing right yeah. back at the time. Uh, AJ, any any good memories? I've got a couple of others, but are you first? Yeah, there's a couple. There's the one, the Collins and Dunn one, which uh, Carl mentioned, which I, I think I'm right in saying is the one where John Terry absolutely lost his shit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah kicked the post. Jumped, yeah. Jumping yeah. up and down yeah. like a toddler. Yeah. In the, yeah. in the, <laughs> so I enjoyed that. I think I was, uh, yeah, I think I watched that one on the, uh, on the telly. Cause I, well, I, 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 I was what, in India, so... Um, I'm getting the, uh, some Facebook memories at the moment and um, I like I'm having to ignore clearly I'm having to ignore how much hatred I had for John Terry for years and years <laughs> now, he's, now he's involved because yeah. it looks like every every fortnight I was slacking off Terry for some reason I love him now love him now yeah yeah a great guy there's also I think we played him in the League Cup game and it was just after Lerner took over and he gave us all free coaches I'm pretty sure that was Chelsea but I was living in London at the time so uh, lost 4-0 now? we lost yeah, yeah we got absolutely hammered. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was in that period when Lerner first, first took over and we absolutely loved him and he was spending money and all of that and he was like yeah it was all free coaches but I lived in London so I didn't get to go on a free coach remember so General Krulak I was a bit, I was oh, a bit God. annoyed and I didn't knew you were going to mention him he was on the Villa, Villa talk forums all the time answering questions Please, he's on VBB. Please, yeah, VBB. He was on VBB, he was on VBB, VBB for a bit well, until yeah. he realised there was only eight of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please speak to Nicky Key, please. Thanks. That was, that was his response to everything. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about sending my um, my tube receipt to Randy Lerner, seeing as everyone else had got a free coach, but I lived in London anyway. So I thought I'm sure he would have honoured it. Yeah, there was another one in 2011 as well that we um, we won three one at Chelsea. I was there, yeah. Well. Yeah, Pet- Drogba, Petrov. Drogba scored first with a penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stephen Island. Stephen Island. Yeah, yeah and Darren uh, Bent. Darren Bent. Yeah. So and Petrov scored. Yeah, Petrov scored a, a great goal as well that game with left foot. I remember. Yeah, was it was it yeah. Kieran Clark playing midfield centre midfield? Played a through ball to him. Uh, he's in the team here. Yeah, yeah. he played. I think so, yeah, he, he set up Petrov. I think I'm pretty sure. Dunn, Dunn, Collins and Quayar are all in the team. Yeah, so sure. Quayar at right back. Yeah. Classic uh, Martin O'Neill. <laughs> well, um, that, that, was, that, that um, was a Dalex McLeish. That was. 
Oh yeah, McLeish. <laughs> yeah, McLeish, yeah. yeah. Ex- yeah, similar similar playing four centre halves in the same team. Yeah. yeah. Um there was the Dalf goal, uh yeah. in the one nil. Yeah. Uh the lovely little Flick. sort of flicky uh goal. <laughs> I watched that in Hennessy's uh in Digbeth. Nice. Awful. Nice. Awful place. Uh awful day. You you every time we do memories, you always come up with these awful random places you've been to watch I, games do in Birmingham. You know what? I think I only remember football matches if I'm watching them in real shit places it's probably why i remember blues villa blues games hey, so there it is <laughs> away, away game uh, chelsea had two sent off in that game as well i've just looked it did up. they so i don't remember that William, yeah willian on 68 and ramirez on 90 both got sent. all oh, right i didn't know uh, not the 90 sending off doesn't count yeah. that's still 10 two, men. two two brazilians sent off that's yeah. uh, I, do you know what that, probably, that winds me probably up probably unusual yeah, when a player gets sent off in the 89th minute and the match report says they beat 10-man Everton or something, yeah. they didn't get sent off till the 92nd minute. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. That, that, that'd be a... Oh, if we were doing the um, yeah, DDAC, that, that would there. be straight in. Yeah. I like that one, yeah. Oh, by the way, I need to announce the winners of that uh, at some stage. I will do a last show. We'll do that. Maybe the end-of-season review awards show, I'll, I'll announce the winners and uh, send out the prizes. Uh, but yeah, thank well done for saying Didier Cisse. I did, yeah, because you, you're, you're on the pod. You, yeah, that's why you agreed to that, and then you rode back on I it did, afterwards. Yeah. So I still, I'm I still glad, think Didier. You... I still think Didier Cisse. No one knows who Didier Cisse is anyway, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, well, I do. I know you do. No, you do. I it's know. a Villa podcast, mate. He was an ex-Villa player. I know. Some, some people don't, though. Some people don't. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Well, we should be teaching them. That's what we're here for. You always said we were never going to dumb down on this. Part, I did mate. say that. You're, You're right. All, I did say yeah. that. Teaching them both about the history of Villa and basic French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for all your educational needs, uh, come 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 listen to the Villa Villa Talks podcast. That's what we're here for. Uh, no banter, no insight, just education. <laughs> no. Uh, but thanks for some uh, some good memories there. Not not uh, most of us, as AJ said, were pretty f- <laughs> were pretty much on the Mourinho era or just after, and nothing that recently. So hopefully we uh, make a change. Although the uh, the uh, reverse fixture, you know, I thought we played really well in that one one game, uh, and Ram- yeah, Ramsey yeah. scored, McGinn hit the bar. I know they had chances at the end as well, but it should be an interesting match. Look forward to that. We'll be back uh, probably if, a couple of days after because obviously the, the guys are going to the match, so. Uh, It'll be good to hear from them and hear about the atmosphere, etc., as well. And hopefully, we finish off on on fifty five points, which would be a, an amazing achievement in itself. And uh, I think we'll probably do an FA Youth Cup final review as well, if you boys are up for it. If you, if you manage to watch it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then obviously, we're, we're planning a, an end of season review as well. That's going to be a special one, and be probably be on YouTube as well. And we're trying to get everyone involved in that one as well. So plenty to look forward to. But thanks again to the guys for their time. Uh, really. Uh, interesting uh, part of thought looking back at the Spurs game looking ahead at the, uh, the Chelsea game uh, like I said back uh, back in uh, after the, the Chelsea game probably Monday Tuesday time but thanks for listening uh, as always please do subscribe and follow uh, our podcast on whatever podcast platform you're on uh, please do follow us on Twitter our main social media hub and uh, it's uh, at Villa Podcast all one word and apart from that uh, thanks again and uh, up the Villa up the Chukwameka up the Villa I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.